0: Oh. oh welcome to the 2s podcast with gage and mike this is gage the philosopher and this is mike the farmer hello everybody and welcome back uh Last week, we discussed our part two of the Knights Templar, and today we're going to do something similar to the last two-part episode, but this time we're going to kind of carry it on with the, the Freemasons. If you remember from last week, there was a, uh, a conspiracy of to where they believe the Masons are just a continuation of the Templar, so we figured it'd be a good idea to flow into that. So this week... On this episode, it's going to be the same way. We're going to give you some information and history on the organization, and then we're going to do a part two on the conspiracies. We are going to start this week off with a quote, though. So, Gage, if you want to start
1: us off. Certainly. I'm going to read this a little slow. You do not hate yourself. A collection of thoughts forming an identity... Hates an image elicited from the felicitous ideas assimilated as the self. The real you, what you're too culturally drugged to realize, is beyond such a trivial and irrational perception. Yeah. Thinking context, he's saying, you know, from the moment you're born you're creating this image and idea of yourself and all these identities. Like, I'm a male, I'm an American, I'm a good boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm smart, or I'm I'm a sports player, or I like the sports team, this is who I represent. All this collection of stuff, you start building a personality, and that's what they traditionally call the ego. This, All these images and ideas of yourself that is you. And he's saying when you strip that away, when you get rid of all these thoughts and images of these things that aren't you, you're left with what actually is you. And when you realize that, it's a lot. You don't get offended. You don't get hurt. Because yeah. that's all fake. It's not real. Like Shakespeare said, we're all actors.
0: Yeah, so it's something more like Don't judge yourself on what you attach to yourself as your identity. Because that's really not who you are deep down.
1: Exactly. In a
0: simplified version.
1: Yeah.
0: I like it. That's a good quote. What do you got? So mine is from Tiberius Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus. (laughs) He was a Roman emperor that reigned from 41 AD to 54 AD. So just... That way, everybody knows the name. Is that's why it's so fucking long. But his quote is: "Say not always what you know, but always know what you say."
1: I like that. I feel like you hear a lot of smart people in the past always bringing that up. Yeah. Oh, I feel. I feel so too. Best so, to remain silent. But if you got something to say, make sure you know what you're saying.
0: Exactly, because if you don't know what you don't want everybody to know exactly what you know, because that gives you a leg up, you know. If you—if you know more than somebody, essentially. But when you say something, you should be damn sure you know exactly what you're talking about.
1: It reminds me of the other Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. It says before you speak, he had a list of like two or three things to ask yourself. One of them was, "Is it true?" Yeah. So, like, with that know what you're saying is it true and is it going to make a worthwhile difference does it need to be said
0: yeah is it really worth saying but if you're going to say it you should at least know what the hell you're saying yeah that's always been my thing
1: that'd be a really great thing to practice in our day and age Mm. everybody just shouting and arguing about stuff they've heard but nobody knows if it's true or not let alone thought through it for themselves
0: yeah I mean, that's always my thing. I try, you well, know, me and you think both, you know, especially with doing this podcast here is like we, we wouldn't say something unless we had a pretty good grasp on it, you know? And that's why we always tell you guys, if you, if you find out anything we said is wrong, please let us know. We would be more than happy to be, admit we're wrong.
1: Yeah, we're here to spit out the information and what we find interesting and try and get people to dig a little further. Exactly. And it's good to be wrong. You know, that used to be the whole point of the scientific theory was to prove yourself wrong and keep growing, mm-hmm. get a little deeper.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we can get rolling into our topic here.
1: Yeah, Freemasonry. Um some people say it dates back the middle ages and there's stories and that around there but there's no concrete evidence but there is concrete evidence that it did exist by the 1600s they have initiation rites and lodges in the 1700s that formed the first grand lodge yeah that was there in uh, Scotland I believe right Um, I don't know what I got here's the in London. Oh, the first Grand Lodge. Yeah, yeah, first the first, the first Grand.
0: Grand Lodge was in London, yeah. I thought you said the first lodge. That was my bad. But uh yeah, they going back to how you're talking about how they don't have any concrete evidence about the uh Middle Ages. About the connection to the Middle Ages. It it wasn't until the nineteenth century that the Masonic historians started really looking for the origins of the movement. Because up until then, they really didn't worry about it, I guess, a whole lot. They just knew what they were and
1: went it's on with it. an oral tradition, oral yeah. history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, when they started doing some digging, they found uh, a series of documents known as the Old Charges. And they're dating from the Regius poem in about 1425 to the beginning of the 18th century. Hmm. So, they, which that would be the... 1400s to the 1700s now the weird thing about it is is it's it wasn't like these are actual like masonic lodges it was a just a lodge of operative masons that kind of just got together about their trade and everything from what we from what we understand about it
1: grassroots yeah
0: essentially and what in the 15th century they, that's where we see the first evidence of like some sort of regalia, which is like your dress and stuff like dressing up and all that fun shit, but it's still not, They there still is no connection between this organization and the Freemasons we have today. So they don't really know if this was the start of that, of the Freemasons or if this was a totally separate organization. You know, was it
1: just an inspiration of it? Yeah, exactly. Or was it just grassroots and they didn't have documentation and become official until the
0: 1600s? Yeah, and, that, and that's the very real possibility.
1: Well, what's yeah. curious about that, you said the 1400s, the Knights Templar ended in 13,
0: 13... I think it was dissolved entirely in like 1320 something.
1: Yeah, listen to our last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I can't remember exact numbers. i have you got to Keep a but, lot of information on you know, that. Did, for Egypt, they, did but...
1: they disperse and stay hidden and grassroots up until they had a big enough order to disguise themselves as something else? True. And
0: the, the funny thing is, the Templars were known for uh, building and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's possible. But they're. Uh, It's just, it's amazing to me to think that they can't even trace this organization all the way back. You know what I mean? They they can't find anything to where it's just proven like all the Masonic Order was started on this day. Like this day, fucking Phil, Bill, and fucking Raji all got together and fucking started the Freemasons, you know?
1: Right, which is interesting because... It's such a large organization today, and you look at most religions in the world that are huge mm-hmm. they started off, they started off grassroots too. Even yeah. Christianity, Islam. Uh, they all started out grassroots and grew and developed, but we and those were 2,000 years ago, and we got a pretty good idea of how that started, what it sprang off from. And how it developed, So why, why not the well, and, Freemasons? And
0: especially considering when you think about the type of people that have been in the Freemasons throughout the throughout history, and like why one of us sought to take it back. Like there was George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Paul Revere,
1: Andrew Jackson, Andrew Winston Jackson, Churchill,
0: uh, Winston Churchill, Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman.
1: And then you got... Fucking
0: John John Wayne, yeah. And then there's Edward VII, King of England. Frederick the Great, King of Prussia. George VI. George VI, King of England during World War II. Marquise de Lafayette. Fucking Peter the Great of Russia. Fucking Francis II of the Holy Roman Empire. I mean, it's just...
1: Right, how could you have all these great people and not know the origin?
0: Henry Ford was even one. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it... Harry Houdini, Ludwig van Beethoven. <laughs> I mean, Mark Twain, Oscar Wilde, and and all these fame and all these are famous people throughout history for one reason or another, and you don't you can't find the the very beginning of the organization.
1: Or they do know, but it is kept yeah. Or they just
0: won't tell anybody. Which that's kind of part of the.
1: That's the mystery of it.
0: Yeah, the mystery, conspiracy, whatever you want to call
1: it. But from the 1700s, um, it grew in the 19th century, the early 1800s, that there are 647 lodges in existence. So it started to grow very rapidly, Mm -hmm. up to nearly 3,000 by 1900.
0: That's insane.
1: And from From what I've read um it grew a lot of attraction to, because they got three three ranks they got um that we know of yeah they that got we know. your apprentice, the fellow craft, and the master mason degree and even in the mason the freemasons' writings themselves, they talk about even further degrees, so that in and of itself isn't a theory. Like we know there's more beyond the three and they're kind of kept under the rug or secret, not talked about much, but from after the world war two and a bunch of immigrants and everything coming over, uh, people needed a sense of belonging. So join, joining some fraternity in these clubs and groups, you know, immigrants or people that didn't have any foundation or any roots, would join these organizations because that's how you got friends. You built connections and got to know people and help each other out. And especially for business, uh, get business connections and make deals and grow things. And that's where you get start of the ground roots conspiracy that if you're a Freemason and you're doing business or you're trying to get a job, if you're a Freemason, you are probably first choice just yeah. because you were a part of that group.
0: Well, and that, and the thing is, Freemasons are a worldwide, mm-hmm. excuse me, organization. So if you were already a Mason over in Germany or England or Scotland, Ireland, wherever, and you come over here it ain't nothing for you to join a Mason's lodge over here, you know, and the Masons have been over here. The earliest, the earliest known lodge we have over here was in Pennsylvania. And that was in, uh, 715 or 1715 two years before the putative formation of the first grand lodge in london so we had masons over here before the first grand lodge in london was formed
1: before we were even officially a country yes before
0: we were even a country which
1: which this is just going to be a little tease we won't go in depth but a little tease is you know we talked about the Knights Templar and you know mm-hmm. what's the possibility that they already knew about the states the, the 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 land anyway yeah the New World and how it's curious that the first people over here from American history were Freemasons like America was founded upon Freemasonry oh
0: yeah which that that's kind of a de- debated topic in a way but yes a lot of the big swinging dicks for the revolution were masons like i said benjamin franklin george washington all them guys uh, john hancock was one so all these guys that had all the pool for the american revolution after the american revolution were masons and then a lot of the uh structures in dc have masonic things going on like the masons laid the cornerstone and stuff like that and For the White House, Capitol building, and blah, 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 blah.
1: And they use that using the Freemasonry um, astrology. Yes. About where to put it, looking on these, um, according to, and they wouldn't celebrate and put certain things up until certain astrological dates. Mm -hmm. And it was a major part in even the physical build of the Capitol.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's kind of one of the things I'll I'll touch on a little bit, but I'm not going to explain a lot because I don't want to spoil it. But there is a saying with the layout of d c that it's laid out in Masonic symbology, like different items that the masons use. It's kind of the shape of d c but we'll we'll talk more about that next week, but after the American Revolution uh independent u s grand lodges developed in each state, and some thought that it was briefly given to organizing and overarching Grand Lodge of the United States with George Washington who was a member of the Virginia Lodge as the first Grand Master but that idea was short-lived the the various state Grand Lodges did not wish to diminish their own authority by agreeing to such a body so I had to to read that quote from the article because that kind of explains it the best way I think So, I guess, as far as we know, there's no Grand Lodge of the United States. Just one Grand Lodge, I guess. Which... From from the way I understand the information, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not a Masonic historian.
1: Right, and with today's technology, you don't really need a physical one. I mean, you can easily get orders from a Grand Lodge across seas. Yeah organizations especially if that's where we came from before the country was even built
0: yeah I mean
1: I mean that's the roots
0: yeah it's it's I don't know to me it's amazing to think of the the amount of influential people that are part of the Masons and that have gone and changed the world really
1: Right, and were they all part of it because it was the thing to do and you got connections and all that? That very well could be, but that's also, logically, that's just how you get a group of like-minded people together and everyone's on the same page. Mm -hmm. Like uh, even um, George Carlin, that comedian.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: He's passed on now, but I think in the 90s. Could have been earlier than the 90s in an interview. It was a group group interview with several people. And he went on a rant about um, the oil companies and the, um, the Federal Reserve and banks and politicians. And he goes, they're all, he, was, he went on a roll saying they're all part of the same group because they don't need to communicate to each other. They're all already a part of the same group, the same organization. They already know the plan. Mm-hmm. They don't need to get together and figure out what to do. They already know the end goal. They know what they need to do. Yeah. They all went to the same same schools, a part of the same clubs. They already know from the guys above them of these groups what the goal is. Yeah. And so it's not like, oh, you got to get in politics to know what's going on. Now you need to get in these groups to know what's going on, and then politics is just a part of it for like that's one segment of how we're going to get our main group done so in this one large group, you got people that go into politics to get things done you got people that go in the law to get things done mm-hmm. i mean you're all you branch out of this one group and you reach for your main goal
0: yeah, and it's a rich and powerful organization that's got a lot of money because the masons. I don't know what the exact numbers of the members membership is of them, but, I mean, it. it's a substantial, it's a very substantial organization. So, I mean, it's not, if you just look at their lodge they got in D.C., I mean, it's a beautiful building, honestly. It's, I mean, it's a architectural piece, and it is amazing. But just to think of the, you know, for them to be able to build stuff like that, I mean, hell, even the little towns around here have Freemasons Lodge, you yeah. know. So I mean, it's it's really spreads that deep into the you know middle of Indiana where there's really nothing major going on, but there's Freemasons lodges out here. So just the the reach of the of the organization is crazy. And you also you were telling me earlier right about uh, women were start it used to be women couldn't get into
1: the Freemasons. Yeah, now they got um. Two two grand lodges that are for women now, oh do they and the from this from what I'm reading from here, it was published in let me look real quick, not that long ago um twenty seventeen so not that long ago they're saying there's about six million freemasons today, oh wow, and they well
0: and it's. Only get bigger if they keep, if, you know, women being part of it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that was six years ago.
0: Yeah. So what is it today, you know? Yeah. Which, and are the numbers even correct?
1: Right. Is there more? Yeah. If anything, you'd think there'd yeah, be more. If, if Those are the ones you can account yeah, for. If
0: they're admitting to the six million, how many are there actually? You know?
1: Right. And you got to think majority of them would be people like you and me who have this general idea that it's just you know a secular organization if anything a christian organization and it's just a bunch of guys getting together for a community and you do business together you go out and do charity work you know it's a good humanitarian organization yeah, that's probably absolutely. what the majority of them see it as until you become somebody that might be useful possibly and mm-hmm. you get up the ranks Figure out if you're on the same page or not. Yep. Can you be trusted?
0: Yeah, because, I mean, you're Freemasonry is one of them things where you're never going to know exactly. It's just like the Templars in a lot of ways because it's a secret organization. You're never going to know anything about it. And anybody that does know everything about the organization is not going to fucking tell you.
1: All right. And we who are those that even know everything? Yeah. That's part of the secret. You don't know who's who.
0: Exactly. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's very possible that people in our own government today are Freemasons that were, we won't, we'll never know if they were Freemasons just because the organization is that big, that powerful, and that secretive. You know, and this kind of little teaser, who's to say they're not the ones pulling strings for shit across the whole world?
1: All right. I mean, if you got that many people that are in that much power, mm. politically and in business and financially, and you're all part of the same club globally, yeah. yeah, you already know what your goal is. You know, like, hey, one world government. We need mm. destruction here, and this is how we got to do it. Well, you don't even have to communicate to these other leaders. You already know what needs to be done. Yeah, you just do it.
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, and not only do they have like the political side of things, but it, like we were talking, it was about like a John Wayne, America's cowboy, you know, Freemason. I mean, here's to, you know, there's an influential person right there. That people look up to.
1: Right. So what kind of, what kind of livelihood personality and, you know, sort of philosophy, world uh, life philosophy and perception of how to view the world and yourself. What kind of, Thing is, he pushing, yeah, exactly. To where people from a young age don't even realize you're being conditioned to see the world and yourself this way, and view things from a more materialistic standpoint, and you don't even know it.
0: One hundred percent, I agree. One hundred percent. You just and you don't know. You don't know who who in Hollywood could be a Mason right now that they're using as a way to kind of because if you, people get attached to. You know, it's like your quote was saying about how people would pull something in as their identity. So they get attached like, oh, I love Ashton Kusher or whoever, you know. And then Ashton Kusher comes out to be a Mason. And then he's saying, oh, we need to do this, 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 and this. And then, oh, okay. Right. You know, which now is that his own doing or is that him working for an agenda? So.
1: Yeah. Which.
0: I'm not saying he is. I was just using him as an example. First one popped up.
1: Yeah, I mean the more the more you identify with certain things as yourself, the more you lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't think for yourself. You have an image to uphold, a personality to uphold, and it's just a bunch of lies, lies and propaganda. Yeah, lies <laughs> and propaganda.
0: <laughs> oh shit. Well, you got anything else you want to add?
1: I think that's a pretty good little summary of the Freemasons before we unwittingly start digging into what's supposed to be for the next podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that that one there is where it's going to get fucking spicy.
1: Yeah, real interesting. Lots going on there. And and some of the things, they're conspiracies, but not theories. Like, here are the things we actually know. It's not a secret. It's not hidden. It's right here in their own writing. Yeah. What does that mean? Why do they do that?
0: more along the lines, people just refuse to believe it.
1: Right. Why? Because that ruins their identity. It ruins their perception. No, I can't be a part of this group that does these things or says these things. Yeah, that's not true. Because if it becomes true, oh, this thing I identified with is actually doing bad things. Well, what's that say about me? A part of myself just died. It's like, well, a false part of you just died and now you're feeling a little bit vulnerable. (laughs) <laughs> so People like to, yeah. you know, you can throw all the facts you want, but they'll defend it because they're going to feel like part of them is dying. Yeah. That's why people get offended when you insult their favorite band or sports team or some group they're a part of. They take personal offense to it. You're not even talking about them as a person. You're talking about some group or something. They get personally offended because they identify with that group. Yep. Oh, you insult my favorite band? You're insulting me. Yeah. And that goes deep. I mean, that's kind of like a sick society. Yeah, Talk about being schizophrenic.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> shit. No, you're same way, you know. When we're With the Masons, you insult, like all oh, the Masons are trying to take over the world or they're whatever, and all the people, oh, people, anybody in no, they're not, they're really, we're a good charitable organization and we're this and we're that, which they might be on face value. Well, that's, that's about that's it. That's the cover-up. Yeah, exactly. So... But there'll be more on that next week in part two.
1: Yep, it'll be interesting. So, y'all take care. See you next week.